Welcome back to the One Two Kentucky Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today we have five get. I'm sorry, four guests on the podcast. Five people on this talk, including myself. Uh, we're going to be talking about everything uh, that has to do with the shoulder. So I have Ryan DeVrent with me, the Assistant Director of Strength and Conditioning for Olympic Sports, and then with us we have three athletic trainers. I have Katie Poole, who is in charge of our volleyball program. Bree Papado, who works with our softball team, and Josh Walker, who works with our baseball team. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thanks for having us. Awesome, awesome. Uh, hopefully, we're not talking over each other too much today. But um, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about everything that goes with the shoulders. And the three sports we have, volleyball, softball, and baseball, are all considered overhead sports, overhead athletes. Uh, first thing I want to touch on is starting with Katie and volleyball, and I'll preface it with this, that I think a lot of the shoulder research that's out there um, at the college level and professional level is based around the sport of baseball. Uh, but there's a lot of different components that go into volleyball and softball that might be a little unique to their sport. So I want to start with Katie, just starting with you know, what you use what, or what research is out there that you think is relevant to volleyball, but it might be based in baseball and then kind of what you think makes the sport of volleyball unique when it comes to the shoulder. For sure. Um, I agree with you. I think traditionally a lot of the overhead athlete research is, is based in baseball. That's not to say there's not anything out there in, you know, tennis or swimming or even volleyball. You know, there's a couple that I stumbled upon. I think the most relevant to volleyball that I found, um, at least from a foundational standpoint, is a lot of the baseball research, just in terms of really baseline, um, you know, rotator cuff strength, that type of stuff. I think that all still applies to volleyball. Um, a lot of the phases of the volleyball attack or serve are similar to an extent to like a baseball pitch. Um, and we sort of break it down that way. So I think that is a really good starting point. I tend to start a lot with baseball. Um, I look at a lot of baseball specific resources and then I think about how I can modify them to be more volleyball specific. Um, one group that I really, really like and um, reference a lot in a lot of the programming that I do is champion PT and performance up in Boston, uh, Mike Reinhold. Um, and his group, uh, he was a PT ATC with the Red Sox for a long time. So his background and they work traditionally with baseball. They see a lot of sports, um, but they put out a lot of good shoulder stuff. I just took his shoulder class um, in the fall and, and really liked it. So I agree. A lot of it is based in baseball. I think the part that makes volleyball unique is, I would say, 80% of the time, 85% of the time that volleyball it has an overhead swing or an attack their feet aren't on the ground so they're having to rely a little bit more maybe on their core um, that becomes an open chain movement as opposed to a closed chain movement where baseball pitching is pushing off the ground uh, volleyball you're in midair so I think that's probably what makes the sport unique um, and in sort of the more advanced stages of the programming we look to 
sort of increase the difficulty of shoulder exercises doing some some stuff like that but for the most part it is based in baseball research like you said good good Bree Papato who works with our softball program what do you think is unique or maybe different in softball than um, what you typically see in baseball so I think one of the biggest things and obviously like the most uh, apparent in softball is that the pitcher is obviously very different than the normal baseball throw. Like Katie was talking about, a lot of the research is based in uh, baseball and it's looking at baseball pitchers. So obviously the softball pitch is completely different. It's an underhand throw and people try to say, you know, it's a much more natural motion, which in theory, I guess it might be, but there is absolutely nothing natural or normal about some of these softball pitchers. If you've watched how they can make that ball move and um, the velocity that they're throwing with, it's there's nothing normal about it. So I think just trying to adapt our programming to accommodate for that change. And that's something that Coach D and I have really worked hard with Coach Lawson and our pitching staff to try and figure out what's best for them and how we need to train them a little bit differently than our um, normal overhead throwing athletes. So our position players. Um, and Coach Lawson actually did a really great job and she recruited uh, someone to come in and kind of talk with us about the pitching motion and the biomechanics that go along with that. And that was uh, Dana Sorensen. She works, she was a um, all-star pitcher out in, out at Stanford. And she currently owns a private gym in Stanford, um, Sorensen Elite, and she's working on the training of some of these pitchers and kind of her sharing her knowledge with us and the difference in training these pitchers, I think is one of the most unique things for softball. Awesome. I'm going to go to Josh and Coach D next. So they work with our baseball program. I know a lot of the stuff that D does in the weight room, but you guys kind of go back and forth. Talk with me about your thought process with how you try to protect your pitcher's arms, the prehab, rehab that you do, um, maybe even get into some of the assessment tools that you might do uh, before the offseason starts. Yes, for like, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the baseball world's so rapidly evolving now um, where you, know, you can even look in the major leagues and see, you know, the velocities, average velocity of a pitcher is increasing year by year. Um, and kind of on the same trajectory is injury rates. So, you know, it, it's a battle we fight trying to, you know, enhance people's ability to, you know, to throw and do things at their highest potential, but also trying to prevent injuries and lessen the risk at the same time. So um, Coach D and I, you know, it, it's been a great partnership there, be able to, you know, work together to find ways to where we can hopefully find some red flags. You know, we've started doing a preseason assessment um, you know, we kind of look at hip and shoulder range of motion along with elbow range of motion um, bilaterally, and you know, to be able to see if there's any red flags there to start with, along with some just baseline strength measurements and internal external rotation. Um, again, for the same purpose, you know, first of all, for at the time, if we can look at a pitcher and see that somebody's off uh, by incredible degree, looking at their throwing versus non-throwing arm, and then at the same time, also um, to compare if they do have an injury to see where they were off to see if there was anything that we missed, you know, just in your general uh, assessment of an injury. 
Um, so that's something we've started doing, you know, from a preseason standpoint, so we can hopefully, um, you know, look at the data there and have something to compare with. And then, um, you know, I'll let D kind of talk about the weight room setting, but I think the, the thing that I've really enjoyed is being able to kind of bounce ideas off of him and then have him, you know, do things kind of in a programming standpoint in the weight room while we still do um, some of it in the athletic training room as well. So being able to kind of enhance each other instead of, you know, fighting to see, you know, who's going to do what. So um, I'll let D kind of go into some of that. Uh, and, and going off of that, as everybody knows, I've been here since 2007, so I've seen quite a few uh, athletic trainers come through the program for baseball. Um, and there's been a ton of different views. And one thing that has kind of separated Josh from the rest of the group is um, the hands-on approach without using a ton of implements, um, which has helped our sh shoulders dramatically. Um, and one thing, we work hand-in-hand -hand on a day-to-day -day basis with the shoulder and, and keeping that healthy as possible. When it comes to the weight room, the one thing that I've paid way more attention to is just, you know, how our shoulder prehab is going when we start out our lifts. You know, when we go into shoulder prehab and we're doing Ys, Ts, Ws, and Ls or ABCs, I'm looking at the positioning of the body um, a lot more than what I did, you know, 10 years ago um, because of how important and how different the athlete is today. You know, hard, they're throwing a lot harder than what they used to. Um, you see guys that maintain a velocity of, you know, 90 to 92, but there's got to be times where they're able to touch, you know, 94 to 95. They can't do that if the shoulder is not healthy or they're not conditioned well enough. Um, when it comes to the post stuff, uh, that's another thing that, you know, we've done a really good job with is just looking at our post mobility stretches um, and having those eyes on our guys at all times, you know, when we're fortunate enough to have three to four interns with baseball that can help out on a day-to-day -day basis when we're lifting, um, oversee that mobility, uh, at the, at the end of the lift or pre-lift. Um, so again, working hand in hand with Josh is, is very, very important with the baseball program, um, and with softball with Bree, um, and, Bree and I, I'm not usually over at softball as much as I am with baseball, um, but we do talk over the phone and constantly are talking about the shoulder and things that we can do from a J-band and reversing that order. You know, with the J-band being more overhead movements for baseball, we've got to go a little bit more underhand with softball to mimic that motion with our pitchers. Awesome. Next thing I want to dive into is kind of get our thought process uh, with each group on what we're doing in the weight room, what we're doing in the training room, and then what we're doing uh, on the field or on the court with our student athletes. And to preface it with this past fall, our full-time strength conditioning coaches, we went through Eric Cressy's uh, sturdy shoulder um, presentations, learned a ton from that. Um, and Katie, I'll start with you. So in the weight room, I, I view it more as we're, we're strengthening the shoulder. Um, and then we are, we, every day, every single student athlete at UK, before they start their uh, lifting workout for the day, after they get done with their general warm-up, we're doing some sort of shoulder prehab. So they're getting a little bit of shoulder prehab in the weight room, um, focusing on strengthening um, that joint and the muscles around it. But talk through what your thought process is with volleyball, with what you're doing in the training room, and then what you're doing on the court before they start practice. 
Um, I think, you know, one of the big things and terms that I maybe would call it sort of a shortcoming in the sport of volleyball is there hasn't been as much attention paid to swing counts or number of swings that people are taking as much as there would be to like a pitch count in baseball. So in baseball, a lot of times you can tell on a day by day basis, how many pitches somebody has thrown starting at like the age of 12. And in volleyball, we're seeing a lot of athletes who a are a bit later to develop just naturally being female. Um, B who really lack a good basis of core strength. Um, again, just, based on their development. Um, and I, so when they come in, we sort of initially take them through just a baseline shoulder program. That's easy for us because typically our athletes are coming in in the summer. Um, so we have a lot more time. Um, and that's sort of just, like you said, done in the training room. Um, it's pretty generic. If they have a history of a shoulder injury, then that's something that we might take into consideration, obviously. And manipulate their program a little bit but in terms of just generic strength um, and arm strength we sort of start that as we move into season um, working a lot with you just in some mobility stuff that we want to do in the weight room obviously they're doing some of their shoulder prehab stuff in the weight room um, the, that would be a time in season where hopefully then those injured kids all understand their program. Hopefully we did a good job of explaining all that in the summer, walking them through that. They're doing their, you know, pre-warm-up exercises before we go out to practice um, and then taking care of any treatment needs afterwards, whether that's, um, you know, stretching, cool down, shoulder game ready, whatever, massage, whatever that may be. Um, and I think one of the big things for us is in the gym, um, working with our, sport coaches and they do a really really good job of making sure the team's arms are warmed up before they just throw them into a drill um, I think a lot of schools you go to people are like well let's just start and they play you know six on six right away or they start everybody serving um, and that's maybe not you know the best warm-up that that somebody could get so we work a lot we have a specific segment in practice that we just call arms and that's usually like a five to ten minute warm-up period um, similar to, you know, baseball, you wouldn't just go out and start a long toss program right off the bat without warming up with some few shorter throws first. Yeah, can um, you talk through that five to 10 minute segment, kind of what that looks like? Because I think people can generally understand, like, like you mentioned, baseball, you know, you're doing uh, maybe kneeling throws, and I'll let Josh and Dee talk through it, but kneeling, like, wrist throws, and then short toss and long toss, but what yeah. does it look like for volleyball? So for volleyball, we... Um, we sort of work with our sport coaches, like I said, and we kind of give them free reign as long as they, you know, as we sort of monitor and make sure that they increase incrementally, but we actually start kneeling as well. Um, a lot of times we'll start kneeling, maybe a partner toss. Um, and that is kneeling, hitting the ball under the net. Um, so just working on getting really good core activation working on getting your arm back. Um, just some initial strength, working on getting a good snap. That's probably also one of the biggest obvious differences from in volleyball from baseball and softball is you're, you have an impact on the ball as opposed to a follow through and a release. So you're still following through, but the ball is then making an impact on your arm in the same way that you're impacting the ball. So we do kneeling just to get that core activation. Then we'll do standing 
where they kind of shuffle into it, but again, still just hitting under the net right now, not focusing. Um, so your contact point for the ball is a little bit lower just to get those muscles activated in your shoulder and in your core. And then we might move to, okay, now we're going over the net, but we're only standing at the 10 foot line or we're only standing, you know, 12 to 15 feet back. And then we sort of move back that way. And then we do the same thing mid-practice when we start to practice serving. You know, we start a lot of times 10 feet into the court as opposed to starting out the baseline um, and moving back that way just to sort of warm up, I guess you could say. That's awesome. Kind of going to Bree Papato next with softball. Um, and D, jump in if, you, if, you are, if you're thinking of something. But what are you doing in the training room? for prehab, rehab, and then what do the players do on the field before practice, after practice? So kind of like Katie talked about too, um, one of the biggest things that we do is we always make sure that we're warming up to throw and not throwing to warm up. That's one of the things that Coach Lawson really, um, really preaches. And we work really hard with our J-band routine, kind of like Dee and uh, Josh were talking about earlier with the routine so that they are really warming up their shoulders, warming up their bodies to make sure that they're ready to throw um, every practice. And then I think another big thing that we've done is we've, when they come back from a long break or um, like either summer or winter break, we've basically adapted a return to throw like progression from an injury. So their athletes are all doing that, um, you know, every day at practice so that they're progressing back and not just, okay, first day of practice, we're going to hit the ground running and throw, you know, a hundred throws from uh, third to first. So it's really making sure that their arms are getting that gradual progression back into throwing and not just going right into it. Um, and so, and another thing that we do is we don't necessarily throw hard every single day. And the coaches, again, have done a really good job of adapting that to try and keep their shoulders in a good spot throughout the entire season because, you know, our, our season's long. So we can't, can't be throwing every single day. That's not, not something that's good for their shoulders. Um, and then after practice, we always, well, we try to make sure that we're doing our pro throwing routine. I'll be honest, we've not been the greatest at adapting that one. But the, getting the athletes to buy into that has been has been a challenge, but we're working on it. <laughs> I'll be honest there. Um, and then um, if they need any kind of treatment or anything in the training room afterwards, we've really focused on that too. So. Awesome. Dee, why don't you jump in and maybe uh, just go off of what Bree said and maybe give some examples on, you know, what's similar with baseball and softball and then maybe what you do different for the sport of softball. So, What's similar in both is I, I, I'm, my big component is, is that we're going to do some kind of scap series without using a band or weight just to work on range of motion and movement of the scap. Um, and that would be like um, doing, you know, 180 degree turns, you know, thumb, you know, doing thumbtacks against a wall um, to working on snow angels, you know, working on range of motion there. Um, before that's pretty, that's pretty much like the pre, uh, warm up stuff that we do with, you know, the girls and the guys. And then right from there, then we get into the J band routine, the J band routine. The biggest thing that we're trying to do that we've added in is more ISO holds at the beginning for strengthening work. So when it comes back to the weight room, 
I'm doing small strengthening work, but majority of it's coming out to the field and making sure posture is good, core is tight. Uh, so on those ISO holds, the biggest thing is our, is our core tight, is our scap um, solid, and are we holding that positioning for say 15 to 20 seconds? Uh, once we get in, done with those ISO holds, then we're going more into the movement pattern and the throwing pattern uh, of baseball and softball. Um, and then really finishing out, you know, we go from the scap to the, the rotator cuff to the elbow to the wrist. Um, but prior to that, you know, we're warming up the body of you know, you know, pretty much from the ground up. So once we feel like we've got the ankles um, warmed up, you know, to the hips, to the core, and then up to the shoulder, that's kind of how things are run out through an entire day. Um, with our pre and post. Um, I, I feel like the pre needs to be as important as the post um, when it comes to the shoulder uh, preparation and, and, you know, for prehab and rehab. So kind of just looking at the gist of it, that's kind of the rundown of on a day-to-day -day basis with baseball and softball. Um, but, you know, Josh might have a little bit more insight on that. Yeah, so I mean, just kind of on the same lines of what Dee was talking about and Bree, you know, my biggest philosophy has always been um, you warm up, then you throw. You're not throwing to warm up. That That's just, uh, you know, and it's always nice when you have a pitching coach that buys into that philosophy. So, you know, um, Coach Roselle has been really good with that. So, um, you know, along the same lines there, the J-band routine, I like the consistency of it. I think the guys buy into a consistent routine and that's very important to, you know, establishing something that they can get in every day and do to, you know, warm up their bodies there. Um, so from a training room perspective, um, you know, my goal is always how can we enhance what's being done uh, on the field? So um, I don't want to do the same exercises or activities that are, you know, being done in the weight room or on the field just because, you know, the guys, first of all, are going to get burned out from doing the same things. But also, what other areas can we be working in the training room, uh, both before and after practice, to you know help supplement things that may not be there in a, a J-band routine? So um, I, I try to, to hammer the scaps as much as anybody. I, I don't think you can ever do enough scap work, um, especially in a baseball setting. You know, work in the kinetic chain. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of rotator cuff work, and obviously the ISO holds we do from a J-band routine are really good for the scaps and all. Um, but, you know, working motion of the scap in, in the same way that, you know, Bree was talking about and Dee was talking about as well um, is very important. So cars, you know, the, the controlled articular rotations, things like that, that we can do to maximize range of motion. Um, another thing I've kind of jumped into here in the last year and a half has been um, Kevin Wilkes' advanced throwers 10. Um, you know, his throwers 10 there, you know, with bands and things like that have been around for years now. Um, but the ability to throw in an advanced throwers 10 and throw in core and that dynamic to arm care um, it is fairly recent in the rehab world. And it's just really encouraging to see, you know, how can we incorporate a dynamic movement and in throwing into a rehab setting? You know, instead of isolating movements all the time, it's nice to be able to throw in core, throw in, you know, some different things from an ISO hold with maybe your non-throwing arm um, just to strengthen the whole segment itself that's going to be involved in throwing. And then the last thing I had is, you know, we just do a lot of hip mobility work in the training room. 
um, you know, in, in the same way. And I know we kind of talked about each of our sports differences. Um, but the biggest thing for me is always, you know, the hips are so important to baseball and you're starting to see a lot of research with correlations between lack of hip rotation and um, upper extremity injuries. So the more we can do on the hip side is going to affect the shoulders. You know, we always talk about the kinetic chain here, um, but, you know, working the lower segment, it has a direct correlation to the upper segment as well. Awesome. Let's uh, keep it on the same topic and, you know, uh, softball and baseball, they're doing the J band series. Uh, obviously you have some set routines, whether it's, uh, in the weight room, pre-practice, post-practice, but as you're programming these, and anybody can jump in, as you're programming those, um, are you thinking, are you changing the volume of the exercises? Are you starting from simple and going to more complex movements? Uh, what is your thought process as you're programming those? And just so nobody starts talking over each other, let's start, start with you, D. What is your thought process when you're programming shoulder prehab um, or strengthening movements? Uh, for prehab um, in the weight room, I'm going more of a, a generic. So say that we're going for 16 weeks in a fall. Um, I'm starting with your generic movements um, and changing those ranges of motion, uh, you know, on the three days that we're lifting. Uh, throughout it, you know, I may change in that four-week plan. Some, you know, we might start with six and then move up to eight and maybe 10 in that four weeks. And then from there, I'm progressing to a little bit more um, advanced movements throughout that, you know, 16-week program. Um, and that's really like the simplest version for my prehab in the weight room. But the, the majority of our J-band routine that we do out at the field um, that is usually staying pretty standard with our sets and reps, um, due to the fact of our athletes, once they, once they feel like their scaps getting stronger, um, they usually start, you know, moving back from the fence, um, maybe like a half a step or another step, um, as they're going out of an entire semester. Uh, when you're doing that on a day-to-day -day basis, you just feel like you're going through movement. But it comes back to the posture. Like if our posture isn't right, we're going we're going right back to square one um, with our movements on the J-band uh, series. So you just don't want them to rush through it. You want to make sure <laughs> posture is correct, body uh, position is correct. That's a big thing you've been harping on recently. Yep. Um, and once that is right, then I'll say, hey, guys, let's take a half a step back. Or if I see somebody struggling – um, I kind of individualize it as I'm watching them go through their J-band routine. And Josh or Rob, they're usually down there watching as well, along with Coach Q and then Coach Roselle. So we've got five guys that are watching 20 pitchers. So, you know, you've got um, – you're able to watch four guys in a line and keep a, a, a close eye on posture, movement pattern. And then from there, if we feel like we're progressing, we'll have them take a, a half a step or a full step back and still keep those sets and reps the same. Talk through as you're programming um, and you're thinking about what the shoulder is doing during a certain exercise or movement. Are you thinking, um, and I know this is conversation we had, but I think it would be good for everybody to hear, you know, scapular elevation and, uh, you know, retraction. What, what's your thought process as you're putting movements into a series? Um, for me, you know, after 
reading, you know, Cressy's um, sturdy shoulders, it was very complex and my mind didn't really go there at first, but after reading that, it's like, okay, I need to really focus in on my shoulder prehab throughout the, the entire year. And then on the J band routine. Um, but you know, the good thing about the J band routine is you're meeting all of those motions already, you know, from, um, depression to elevation, um, supination, pronation, you're, that I'm just making sure that after I read it, I was like, okay, I need to go back through and analyze the J band routine, my routine in the weight room. Um, but again, if you got to be able to work in all the planes from your frontal, the sagittal to transverse. Um, and that's kind of where my brain goes with it when I go into programming. Awesome. Josh, Bree, any thoughts with that? Um, I completely agree with everything that Coach D was saying and kind of trying to figure out how to incorporate all of the movements of the scapula and the shoulder into the prehab routines in the weight room and then with the J-band routines as well. And I completely agree with what he said about the J-band routine and being able to work through those range of motions and making it more dynamic too. I think that's one thing that the bands really allow is being able to go through that full range of motion in kind of a similar way to what they would need to do with their sport. So with pitching, with throwing, um, trying to mimic that same routine, but adding maybe a little bit of resistance or something along those lines too. Um, Josh, I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that one too. No, I think I pretty much nailed it there. I mean, <laughs> it's in, the, in the same way, you know, like obviously, um, the J bands and I feel like we're doing a product endorsement over here for, uh, for Alan Jaker over here, but you know, I, I think it, they just work really well for, you know, the softball setup for them or the baseball setup, regardless of what you're doing there. Um, the way that band is set up, you know, as D was talking about earlier, it gives really good feedback as far as, you know, where are you weak? You know, if you're weak in your scap, you're going to feel it, especially with that central point where you're pulling back or doing rows or whatever. And then also eventually you can make the adjustment with that band and it affects everything. Um, if you just take a half step back, you know, it's going to increase the resistance on that band. And since it has a central point where you're pulling from there, you're getting an equal pressure on both sides. So it's not like one band is stronger than another. So. And often, like one thing I want to add Katie before you went on was um, that stationary point that Josh had talked about, that isn't just at eye level, like that's, that's changing. So we're going from um, eye level to the ground and working on those planes in motion that you're not just in one stationary point. I think going off of what you said, Coach D, just about working through your entire range of motion of your scap and Bree touched on it. I think that's something that's a little bit overused or controversial in shoulder prehab and care a lot of times is this notion that like okay before I do any exercise I need to have my shoulder blades pinched together I need to have my scap like pinched together and down and there's certainly something to be said for strengthening those muscles that, that do that and strengthening like your middle trap in a row or doing an iso hold in that way but in the more advanced stuff that, that coach D you were talking about I do think it's really important and probably not done enough to let the scat fly in that kind of stuff because you do want to strengthen throughout that entire range of motion. So if your scaps are pinched back and down, then you're 
you physically can't get any type of upward rotation, which is needed in a softball throw, baseball pitch, volleyball, overhead swing, like anything you do there. So I think that's sort of a point of, I guess, not controversy, but something that I see um, going off of what Dee was saying about his program is there's, there's times for some of that and the ISO holds and that type of stuff. And then there's times where you have to work through some of that more advanced motion um, and think about like, what are my support demands? What, what's the scat doing when I'm actually, you know, doing my, my sport. Uh, one thing to come back to a point that Josh made is it seems like we're doing an endorsement for J band. Um, <laughs> you know, that's something, as he said that one thing I thought of was like, man, we should have got a hold of them. And this episode could have been brought to you by J band. So we'll have to do that in the future. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Katie, is going back to volleyball. And you mentioned that it is not like baseball or softball where there's a release point, there's a impact point. Is there, is there something that is um, an injury or um, uh, anything that you're seeing that's more specific to volleyball, volleyball that maybe Bree and Josh aren't seeing in their sports? Um, I know Bree and I have talked and she's had one or two, um, but we had a period of time and you and I have talked about this at Lang Spurlock um, a few years ago where we felt like we were seeing an abnormal a uh, number of core injuries in our athletes. And again, I think part of that is volleyball. You have to rely on your core in a really unique way. Um, one, if you don't jump from the right point, then the ball might be behind your head a lot of the time. So you're having to reach back and go get it if your timing is off. Um, and two, your feet just aren't on the ground. So you do have to rely a lot on your core strength um, to initiate some of those shoulder movements. Um, and I think that that's probably the biggest area. And I think what you and I both learned from that is I probably was not incorporating enough core stability in our shoulder programs in the training room. And I don't think we were incorporating enough shoulder activity or accessory movements in our core programs in the weight room. Um, I know you and I both talked. So just a example I know that you do a lot of core stuff now with our team where their arms are outstretched over their head to sort of engage in what might be a, a chain of movement that's really really familiar for our team the reverse side of that is you know some of our athletes who have been around longer instead of just doing internal external rotation with a band I may have them stand on one foot or stand on a BOSU ball and try and make that as um unstable of a surface as possible so that I can make sure that they're really, really engaging their core when they do that kind of stuff. I think that, and I think we talked about it on Katie's podcast, but that was a situation four or five years ago where we had two or three volleyball players in one season that were having abdominal strains. And it was um, something obviously Craig Skinner was worried about. And we put our heads together and came up with the program and we have knock on wood we haven't had an issue with it since. And I think that speaks to our, uh, just a great relationship at Kentucky that strength conditioning has with athletic training. Um, but kind of going to Bree and Josh with the same question, is there something in softball that injuries you're seeing in the shoulder that maybe Josh and Dee aren't seeing in um, baseball? I, and may, and I, maybe there isn't. That, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to throw out there. 
Honestly, knock on wood, we really haven't had as many shoulder injuries. And I think that really just speaks to what we're doing in the weight room and what the coaches are doing on the field in trying to keep their shoulders healthy. Um, Because honestly, I'm really trying to think of shoulder injuries and we really haven't had too many. Um, I mean, obviously, you're going to have a couple here and there that kind of come in there, but not, for the most part, we do a pretty good job of staying healthy. And I think that really, like I said, just speaks to what we're doing to maximize their time, both in the weight room and on the field in doing what we can to keep their shoulders healthy. And I don't know if D or Josh have any other thoughts on that one. The, the only thing that I wanted to add to it is, you know, the game has changed so much since I've taken over in 2013 with softball is we used to, you know, you had your one main pitcher. Um, so when it came to rehab and prehab stuff for the shoulder, um, there was a lot more work that had to be put into that one individual. Now having, you know, five to six pitchers on your pitching staff on the softball end of it, that's saving on, on the arm um, and the use that they have for, you know, throwing bullpens or throwing live in a game. Uh, so again, knock on wood, like we haven't seen anything crazy off the wall, um, with the injury standpoint of it. Um, and thank God on the baseball side that we have more pitchers as well. When you're low on the number of pitchers or talent, um, you see the overuse, you know, in baseball, you know, from that standpoint with the shoulder. Anything you want to add, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I had to go back and look, you know, just when you came up with the idea for this podcast, I went back and looked at our shoulder injuries for the year. And obviously, as Bree was talking about, you have the internal impingements that pop up every once in a while, something like that that's relatively minor. But the three biggest um, shoulder injuries we had this year were all traumatic, you know, which is very unusual for baseball. I mean, we had two shoulder dislocations and, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant rotator cuff slash bone bruise of the, the shoulder, all from, you know, traumatic events. So, um, you know, just when you think you have it figured out of like, you know, you know, most of these injuries are chronic in nature. So you kind of plan for that. And, and you know, to, to Bree's point, to Katie's point, the programming we've done um, both in the weight room and what we try to do in the athletic training room as well. Um, I think is paying off, you know, dividends for our athletes. But just when you, you know, as the world of sports goes, just when you think you got it figured out, crazy things happen all the time when it comes to injuries and things you don't normally see in your sport do happen. Um, But that's just the nature of sports at a certain point. Absolutely. Um, Guys, we've been going for about 40 minutes now and a ton of great information if there's those of you that are listening, if there's anything you want us to touch on more, if you have any specific questions for us, whether it's specific to the shoulder or just in general about the sports of volleyball, softball, and baseball, shoot us an email at ukstrength at uky.edu. Katie, Bree, Josh, D, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening and go Cats.